Welcome to Mammoth Community Christian Church. It's wonderful to worship the Lord with you today. This isn't the format that, that we prefer, uh, but because of the snow and the icy roads, we're, we're doing a home broadcast today. And it's great to be united with you through the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as he unites us to be the, a living temple in which God dwells by his spirit, even when we're not physically in the same building. But I have good news that, that this coming week uh, in February, uh, Joy Walk, our, our youth program on Friday nights, and our youth Sunday school program on Sunday mornings, as well as our children's Sunday school and worship service program, those will all once again return to in-person meetings. We've been meeting remotely in the month of January because of Omicron, but we're getting back together starting Joy Walk this Friday. So we hope to see you in person this coming Friday and again next Sunday, a week from today. Well, this morning, it's my honor to introduce again Pastor Milton Ang as our speaker today. Pastor Milton has been a pastor for many years. He's also a professor, uh, a scholar, and an author. It's Always a privilege to have Pastor Milton here today. Welcome, Pastor Milton. Thank you, Pastor Nathan. It's a pleasure to be with you all here today on this virtual platform. I think I've already been blessed to worship with you with um, the worship time with Kent and the opening prayer with uh, Pastor Nathan. It's just a blessing uh, to be with you all here uh, this morning. Well, as you know, I've been uh, guest speaking over the past year or so on a new series of messages on the Ten Commandments. And so for today's message, we'll be looking at the third commandment. My message is entitled today, Do Not Misuse God's Name. To get started, let's take a look at the scripture reading, um, two short passages. Exodus 20, verse 7, and then we'll need to flip over to Leviticus 19:12. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Leviticus 19:12. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Let us open in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together. Though we are physically distant away from the sanctuary, we are spiritually together, holding spiritual hands and spiritual hearts to declare your praises and to remember your name. Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit speak to us wherever we are and um, in whatever circumstances we may find ourselves. Be with us, especially as we reflect on your word, your precious word given thousands of years ago. And may it speak to us this morning, this day. We pray in the great name of Jesus, amen. Today's message on the third commandment, I find, um, rather awkward and a little, you might say, um, <clears throat> unprepared in the sense that I'm still kind of reflecting 
on how to apply this commandment to our situation today. Also, it is one of the most unusual of the 10 words of the Decalogue in the sense that um, people sort of take this commandment to extremes. On the one hand, they take God's name rather loosely and in vain in casual conversation and discussion. Maybe even you as a believer have slipped in one of your text messages you put in OMG. People use God's name so flippantly and so loosely in everyday speech. On the other hand, there's the, you might say, other extreme, where in the Jewish tradition, you might be interested to realize that because of this very commandment in the Jewish tradition, um, in the strict Orthodox Jewish tradition, they are forbidden to even pronounce or say out loud the divine name in synagogue and worship for fear of misusing the name of God or using it in vain. And that's why you should know by now in my series of messages, if you recall in the Old Testament, in the English translations, when you see Lord in all capital letters, L-O-R-D in all caps, that is the um, translators of the Jewish and Christian tradition out of reverence for the, deni the, the divine name of the God of Israel, they substitute L-O-R-D in caps. According to scholars, um, we suggest the original pronunciation was Yahweh. So this is uh, one of the more difficult of the commandments to speak on. And let me just share that this is a draft or you might say a first version as we get started. The first thing to keep in mind is to go back thousands of years ago to realize that in the ancient world, the, the name of someone or the name of a deity was extremely important. Nowadays for us, for you and I, we don't have that same of that same gravitas or solemnity when it comes to the importance of someone's name. In the ancient world, and sometimes even today, depending on your culture, names, first of all, had meaning. Names had meaning. They weren't just labels to tag someone. Today, a name is just a name. Milton, John, Bob, Steve really has no meaning. Even in the Bible, I'm sure you're aware that names and their meaning were highly significant. Genesis 17, Abraham's name was changed by God. Abram, his original name was Abram. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. 
So uh, Abraham's original name was Abram, which means something like exalted father. But it was changed to Abraham to mean the, the father of many. Even in the New Testament, the uh, apostle by the name of Peter, that was not actually his original name. When Jesus encountered um, Peter, he changed his name. In John chapter 1, Andrew brings his brother to meet Jesus, his brother Simon. And here's what verse 42 says. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Cephas is the Aramaic word for rock, and Peter is the Greek word for rock. So Cephas, Aramaic, Peter, Greek, simply means rock. Not only did names have meaning, names actually had some kind of um, mysterious power in the ancient world. If you um, knew somebody's name or if you had the name of a deity, you had some kind of um, power behind that or even over that person. For example, in the Egyptian Book of the Dead, here's a quotation. In this um, document from ancient Egypt, it, it contains instructions on how um, a person, once they have died in their soul, can go through these various um, tests or questions uh, by the gods, by the god of the underworld. There are actually uh, 42 gods, and the, the person is interrogated as to their sins. But in any case, it says therein, I know you and I know your name and the names of the 42 gods who are with you. In order to pass the test into eternal life, you might say you had to know the names of these 42 gods. Even in the Old Testament, there is a kind of hint of this um, ideology or this thinking that if you know the name of a deity or a god, you have some kind of uh, power over that, uh, that deity. Now, in this story of Genesis 32, I, I don't think I'll read the entire passage for the sake of time, but Jacob is um, returning from a sojourn in um, Padanaram, and he's worried, and he encounters a divine being in the middle of the night. And this divine being um, gives Jacob a new name. And Jacob is wrestling with this divine being. And in the end of this passage, as you see in the screen, Jacob, having been given a new name, Israel, Jacob then tries to get the name of this divine being. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So the, uh, the idea is that um, divine names had some kind of mysterious power behind them. Actually, I read an interesting uh, commentary by Michael Coogan, and he references the uh, fairy tale Rumpelstiltskin. I, I'm not that uh, familiar with the 
fairy tale, but maybe you are. But he says in in the fairy tale of Rumpelstiltskin, the queen is only able to get power over the so-called evil dwarf when the queen learns uh, his name. Once she learns his name of the evil dwarf, he has power. Uh, she has power over him. So this idea is even in today's um, fairy tales. Going a step further when it comes to God's name, the God of Israel, the Bible makes a big deal about the God of Israel's name. God's name is special and sacred. And as I mentioned earlier, as we introduced today's message, um, the Old Testament references the divine name by using Lord in all caps. This is the most important four-letter word in the entire Old Testament. And um, the, the Old Testament was written in all consonants. The vowels were added later and had to be memorized originally. So in the original Old Testament, the divine name only consisted of these four consonants, Y-H, W-H, or Yod-Heh, Vav-Heh. And to be honest with you, we don't really know what the vowels of this four-letter word are. Scholars conjecture or kind of um, uh, speculate that the vowels are A and E, so it's probably it probably was originally pronounced Yahweh. But um, again, as a, in, 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 um, in the Jewish tradition, um, in, out of um, respect for the name of God and the third commandment, um, they don't even recite or pronounce the name of Yahweh. They substitute Adonai or Lord or Hashem the name as a substitute when reading their scriptures. By the way, another version of Yahweh is Jehovah, but Jehovah was kind of a misunderstanding of um, the vowels and the consonants. But anyway, now here's a passage to kind of emphasize how when it comes to God's name, the God of Israel, um, this is a big deal in the theology of the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 6, you might also know Exodus chapter 3, the burning bush incident. Um, it kind of emphasizes that um, God's divine name is especially unique and um, um, especially sacred. Then the Lord, oh, but what I'm going to do here, just to emphasize it, uh, when I see Lord in all caps, I'm going to uh, substitute Yahweh. Then Yahweh said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of his country. God also said to Moses, I am Yahweh. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself fully known to them. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am Yahweh, 
and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. Then you will know that I am Yahweh, your God. So in the time of the patriarchs, God had revealed himself to them as El Shaddai. But now in the time of the Exodus, God reveals himself to Israel as Yahweh. So with that um, sort of background introduction, what then does the third commandment actually mean? Let's take a look at the translations. Um, and these translations will give you an idea how kind of difficult um, really it is at getting to the meaning of this um, third commandment. Of course, you are familiar with the King James Version, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. When I began these series, you know, I was wondering, what does it mean to take God's name in vain? Um, the NIV, you know, which I based today's title message on is, you should not misuse the name of the Lord your God. So misuse is kind of um, vague and very general. The new RSV says, you shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God. Again, this is kind of a generic, um, vague um, um, translation. You know, what does it mean to make wrongful use of the name of Yahweh? Does that mean I shouldn't be pronouncing that word? Or um, I can use it, but only in certain ways. Now, the Tanakh translation, which is a Jewish translation, actually a very interesting, good translation, the, or otherwise known as the, the new JPS, um, <clears throat> puts it this way. You shall not swear falsely by the name of the Lord your God. So uh, the Tanakh translation is, um, you know, more specific, quite, you know, in contrast to the NIV and New RC, which is kind of like more vague in general, the Tanakh. Um, is more specific. It's 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 talking about swearing falsely by the name of the Lord your God. So which is it? And um, all I can say at this point is, um, what does it mean to misuse God's name? It means at least these four things. There are four things that we can um, sort of maybe three maybe three, uh, we can confidently say what it means to misuse God's name. First of all, it's um, pretty clear that in the original context of the Old Testament, misuse means lying under oath in God's name. So uh, you're, you're taking an oath, you're making a pledge of some sort, and um, you you lie basically you, you lie under oath and this is today's uh, second scripture reading Leviticus nineteen twelve do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God I am the Lord I, I guess this is the Tanakh's um, kind of um, take on the uh, the translation do not swear falsely. So at the very least, when you take an oath in God's name, you are 
promising to tell the truth and the whole truth. You are invoking God's name as uh, a kind of um, support, as a kind of um, almost a um, self-condemnation that you you are willing to bear punishment if you swear falsely or lie under oath. You know, it's interesting, and, and I wonder if um, today's custom of sworn testimony goes back to this third commandment. Uh, traditionally, when you uh, appear in court as a witness, you're asked to give sworn testimony. And um, a person comes up to you, you stand, you raise your right hand, and this person says to you, do you, swallow, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you, God? And you, right hand, you say, I do. So um, as a believer, at the very least, misusing God's name means swearing falsely, lying under oath. And um, <clears throat> I'm afraid to say if... Um, if we applied this uh, to the average person today in court, um, we'd all be in trouble. The second meaning of this, misuse means breaking a vow made in God's name. This is uh, a little bit different, it's kind of similar, but a little bit different. Um, in the Old Testament, um, people often made a promise or a vow um, they would say something like, as, as surely as the Lord lives, as a, you hear that often, like David, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do this. That's, that's a vow, a promise made in God's name. And when you make that vow, regardless of the consequences, you are bound in God's name to keep that promise. There were several promises made in the Old Testament, like Jephthah's vow. Um, and in the end, it turned out to be a very tragic thing. But he, he made a vow. And when you do it in the name of God, you must keep that vow no matter what. It, it turned out to be very, he had to, he had to sacrifice his own daughter sort of because of the, the vow he made. Ecclesiastes 5, 4 to four to five, when you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Okay, so um, I, don't, I don't know if people um, um, do that so much today. Now, thirdly, now, this is getting a little bit more um, down to the nitty-gritty and to a contemporary application. <clears throat> and and, and I, wonder, I wonder if this third commandment has influenced society uh, in this sense as well. Misuse means using God's name in profanity. You know, it, 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 uh, actually going back to the, the, the last point, you know, um, you know, I... Uh, um, 
that's why it really it really bothers when you know uh, it really bothers me when especially young people they they use this expression you know I swear to G you know I swear to G I, I that that is um, um, that is really inappropriate for a, a Christian a believer to be misusing God's name in that fashion but anyway now this issue of profanity is not just a contemporary um, issue. There is uh, evidence that we have a case of profanity using God's name and profanity in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 24, verses 10 to 12, there's this story, this incident of a half Israelite. You see, there was uh, uh, a son whose mother was Israelite and whose father was Egyptian. And um, let me read to you the passage. You see the very interesting case of profanity in the Old Testament. Okay, now the son of an Israelite mother and an Egyptian father went out among the Israelites and a fight broke out in the camp between him and an Israelite. The son of the Israelite woman blasphemed the name with a curse. So they brought him to Moses his mother's name was Shelomith, the daughter of Dibri, the Danite. They put him in custody until the will of the Lord should be made clear to them. So in the um, exegesis or an exposition of this passage, the Old Testament scholar Patrick Miller in his commentary makes us a very, very interesting um, comments. And he says that, um, Apparently, this is a case of profanity. Here's a quote from his commentary, uh, page 104, quote, more literally, the text says that the man, quote, pronounced the name and belittled it. Presumably, in the heat of the battle, the man let loose what is commonly understood as profanity, a non-serious use of the divine name or a use of it in the context of fighting that can only be regarded as a trifling use of their name. Now, here's the funny part of the quotation. It continues like this. It is as if someone in anger at a computer that is not performing correctly says and discuss Jesus, God. A contemporary example actually heard by the author on the day of writing these words. So, um, you know, this was um, hilarious reading this quotation because Patrick Miller is not exactly the most exciting writer. His commentaries are long and kind of drawn out, but uh, this is the funniest remark I've ever heard him say in his commentary. In, in any case, um, misuse means using God's name in profanity. Now, um, you know, kind of, again, once again, building on, um, you know, Patrick, Patrick Miller's exegesis, he, he goes um, one step further than some of the other commentaries I've been reading. Um, and um, I guess I'll let you be the judge of this. The, the fourth and final example I would suggest is misuse means any use of God's name in a light, casual, or non-serious manner, okay? It's not just using God's name in a profanity, but 
just using it casually, non-serious, flippantly, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think this is appropriate for believers. Quote, here's another quote from um, page 103, uh, Patrick Miller. The openness of the term lashol, which is the Hebrew phrase, you know, for in vain or misuse, to wider meanings than simply falsehood, more specifically to meaningless and empty invocation of the Lord's name, means that one recognizes here also a warning against light, casual, non-serious, non-serious uses of the divine name that do not take account of its weight. Do not lift up the name in a way uh, appropriate to its character as the name of the Lord. Okay, so um, uh, so this is the the extra step, and, and that is um, um, it would be inappropriate to use the name of God in any flippant, you know, um, non-serious manner without taking into the consideration um, the sanctity, the weightiness of uh, the name of God as, you know, God himself. <clears throat> now, here's a, here's a interesting, another translation from uh, Michael Coogan. This is his own translation. I thought I'd bring it up to kind of flesh out this idea even a little bit more. You should not use the name of Yahweh, your God, for nothing. Because Yahweh will not acquit anyone who uses his name for nothing. There's a kind of the same idea of for nothing, in vain, useless, uh, that that type of thing. Um, you know, I think if we're all honest with each other, we're all guilty of this um, kind of breaking this commandment um, for some reason. Um, we have this habit of using, you know, God's name um, in everyday speech, or we get angry. Or I, I, there must, I don't know exactly why. We don't. We, you know, I remember one one pastor, um, or uh, you know, my pastor was, you know, commenting on this type of thing. Was saying, you know, we never. You know, we never say like, oh, we never say things like, oh, Buddha or oh, Confucius. You know, we say, you know, oh, God, you know. So, um, you know, um, I don't know how you feel, but um, ever since I became a Christian, it, it does kind of bother me when I hear God's name being used so flippantly in public. And um, so I think maybe in your family, here's a lesson that maybe you can take home practically in your own family. And, and that is at least in your, in the, in the domain of your own family, especially with your children, teach them to revere God's name. Tell them that God's name is special, is sacred, is powerful, and should not be taken lightly. That, um, these expressions, you know, OMG or, you know, Jesus, JC, or things like that, is um, is inappropriate in a Christian household. Well, let's bring it up to the New Testament. So, does this apply in the New Testament? How I mean, after all, you know, names are mean practically nothing in the contemporary society. 
Uh, it's just a label. It's just a hook to you know to identify you know something or someone. Well, you'd be surprised that um, you know the the theology of the name in the New Testament is also extremely important. New Testament scriptures, Matthew six nine, the Lord's Prayer begins, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name." I was sort of kind of stunned, uh, rebuked myself when you know even the Lord's prayer talks about revering God's name. The theology of the name in the New Testament, um, when the angel Gabriel, uh, no, let's see Matthew, uh, when when the angel appeared in Matthew one to announce the birth of Christ. It specifically mentions the name. And you're not to give this child any name, but you give the child a special name. Matthew one twenty one. she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. The, the power of her name is also uh, evidence in the book of Acts. In Acts 16, 18, um, Paul, in his missionary efforts, um, you know, kind of like cast out an evil spirit. Uh, Acts 16, 18. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. And then uh, finally, uh, one of the most beautiful passages in this context of revering God's name, Philippians chapter two, verses nine to 11. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to, to the glory of God the Father. You know, one day every knee shall bow in heaven and earth and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so on that thought, I pray that from this third word, we could, first of all, think about the language we use. Think about the name of God. Refrain from using God's name in vain. It's interesting. If you, I just checked the ESV, if you look at the ESV translation, it goes back to the King James version. So, uh, and it's actually maybe not bad. The ESV says, "You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain." It goes back to it's really interesting and um, um, a, a good way to, to to translate it and to remind us. To, to, to revere God's name in a sense, by revering God's name, we are revering God himself as well. And um, 
secondly, to think about the name of Jesus that, um, you know, and I think this is a name we can recite out loud, we can pronounce out loud, but in so doing, remember that um, his name is glorious. His name is um, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. His name is beautiful. Let us close in prayer. Dear Lord, we ask your forgiveness. How often have we made light of your name? How often in casual conversation we have just let it slip and um, fail to live up to this commandment. We pray, Lord, you'll help us to revere your name and then marvel and reflect. Indeed, how beautiful the name of Jesus is to whom one day we shall bow in heaven. It's in his great name we pray and ask. Amen.